You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we got a special guest on the episode, just like you would have seen in the title, 12 straight championships in a row with a record, well, a winning streak rather, of 155 wins. That is incredible. And we're going to dive in and talk to this coach about how he was able to do that and some of the ingredients to his program that I think might interest you to add to yours. Uh, getting a chance to pick the, the coach that won 12 championships in a row, I think is valuable. Uh, and I definitely tried to dissect and figure out exactly how he was able to do what he did. So it's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 153 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. For our new listeners, welcome to the show. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And for my regular listeners, as always, thank you so much for tuning into another episode where the goal, as you all know, is to deliver value tangible step-by-step strategies that you could take back to your gym and apply right away. And today, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, I'm really excited about today's uh, interview. We have a special guest on the pod today. We have a guest who has done something that I don't think I've ever heard of. I don't think I've ever even mentioned this on the podcast before. It's something that is, is truly special. This coach has won 12 provincial championships in a row. Now, for my U.S. listeners, to put that in perspective, that's like winning 12 state championships in a row. That is, winning one championship is tough. Winning two is tough. Winning three is unheard of. But when we talk about winning 12, that is in its own category by itself. In addition to winning 12 provincial championships in a row, this coach has gone on to have a record of 155 wins in a row. Now, we had a coach on two weeks ago, Coach Tony Clark, who had 59. This is 150, not to compare coaches, by the way, but this is 155 wins in a row. And that, that is something that I can't wait to talk about and pick his brain about how that's even possible. Um, this coach is the most wins in the college history. He's a coach at Humber College, and he has the most wins in in the school's history. So we are we are very fortunate to have, uh, without a doubt, a, a Hall of Famer on here. And I'm super excited and, and privileged to welcome Coach Chris Wilkins. Coach, what's going on? Hey, how are you doing, Brian? <laughs> That's uh, quite the intro. That's uh, nice to hear all those good things. And nice to see you. Hey, nice to see you. And you deserve it, man. You absolutely deserve it. It is. Uh, it, it, this is an interview that I'm super excited about. So before we dive in, let's... um. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You want to tell me about your coaching background, you know, how you how you started and, you know, how you got to the journey or rather what your journey was to get to this position? Um, yeah, sure. No, you know what? It's a, it's interesting. Um, you know, uh, we actually I was sort of born up north and, uh, you know, at about about sort of 13, 14 years old. My family moved. Uh, we moved to Toronto and uh Started going to school here in Toronto and got involved. We're always 
and my family and my brother and I were always very highly involved in sports and baseball and different things. And, you know, kind of got a group of friends and I went to school uh, in the Toronto area called Westview and um, got into with a good group of friends and they all like playing volleyball. So we decided to start playing volleyball with them and stuff and just uh, really enjoyed the sport, really enjoyed being around and it was great relationships, great friends and stuff and just kept getting involved. But then I realized pretty quickly that, uh, you know, in the men's game anyways, you know, um, you know, five, eight and a half, uh, five, eight and a half, shortly sort of stocky uh, uh, athlete isn't going to go too far in the sport. So really got involved in coaching early, started coaching with the high school team, started coaching. I actually, my first coaching gig ever was actually with Toronto West Volleyball Club, with John Long's club and started really liking that and working with a real good friend of mine, Hank Ma, um, who happens to be the assistant coach on the men's team. And, you know, just uh, got involved in doing all of that and kind of went on, did some work with some other clubs and started coaching with Team O and, you know, doing all those things that young coaches like to get involved in in doing, right? Uh, you know, got recognized early um, on the club scene, that stuff. And then uh, was kind of fortunate, actually went, decided to take my uh, academics to Humber. My brother was already at Humber and uh, played for, you know, sort of a, had a cup of coffee and, Playing, playing wise at Humber, I, you know, it was okay, but an opportunity came up to, to work as an assistant coach on the men's side. A lot of people don't realize that, but I actually assistant coaches on the men's side um, for a couple of years um, while my brother was playing. And uh, then I decided uh, after that, I'd kind of left to go do a business venture um, and then uh, kind of came back. And there was an opportunity to work with a real good coach at Humber, the, the head coach at the time, uh, Dave Hood. And uh, sort of uh, got mentored by him as an assistant coach and kind of went uh, went on from there to sort of take on things. And then I had some some real good exposure, coached some, yeah, did a little bit of work with Volleyball Canada, coached some, uh, some high-profile club teams as well. Uh, got an opportunity actually a few years back to, to coach in the, that one volleyball league that was sort of starting up as the Canadian Pro League, and that was right. a great experience. So just kind of wherever I've been able to get my hands wet, I've been uh, I've uh, really enjoyed being involved in the sport. Yeah, that's 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 really great. It's very you know everyone a lot of people like to ask me what, what's the what's the route to becoming a varsity coach, you know, university, college, et cetera. And it's kind of like what you said. You got to start off you know, coaching club, high school, and really develop your own skills, get a name for yourself out there. And eventually it kind of just worked itself out. You, you, if, if you do a good job and, you know, you're the right person for the job, obviously you work your way up, opportunities come up and that's kind of how, how, the, how the, how you streamline into the, into the coaching world at the higher level. But uh, yeah, my man, story is very, very similar to that. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. Our AD at the time, Doug Fox, uh, you know, kind of, I remember looking across his desk and saying, uh, you know, I'm going to take a chance on a young coach here. And, you know, back then it was a little bit different. I wasn't much older than a lot of the athletes. And, uh, you know, I said, I'm going to take a chance on a young coach and and think I can really mentor you and help you become, you know, uh, a good coach. And and he did it and just never looked back. So you're right. It just when that opportunity sort of presents itself, you jump all over it. So Right. Okay. I'm going to start off with a really, really big open-ended question. And then we're going to dive more into specifics. But okay, 12 provincial championships in a row. 155 wins in a row how how's that possible um that's a good that's a good opening question man <laughs> i can tell you you know what it's uh yeah you know it's something certainly i'm i'm real proud of um but uh you know what I, i'd love to be able to say oh it was a 
tremendous amount of knowledge and skill and all those things. And certainly some of that came into play. Um, but I was pretty fortunate to have a lot of good athletes around me, a lot of good coaches. There was a lot of good coaches that came through at that time. Uh, and you need a little bit of luck. You know, there was, you know, there were situations, you know, where we were, we had a couple of five setters that, you know, late in the season where it didn't matter anymore or different things like that. But we just, we just wanted to continue. You know, we kind of built a mentality within our program that we just always, and the girls always joke with me about all the time because I have an expression that I just, I continue to say, they even made up shirts for me this year that, you know, it's, I continue to say, be better. And, um, you know, we, you know, it's just, it was just didn't matter whether we were already, you know, clinched the, the league or whatever it was. We just always wanted to win. And I just surrounded myself uh, with an environment that invited that. And I was pretty lucky. Like I said, uh, you know, yeah, some knowledge, of, you know, it'd be silly not to say I didn't have any knowledge with it, but some knowledge and really, really fortunate to have a lot of good people. You know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Okay. No, perfect. Um, so we're going to, we're going to dive more. We're going to try to figure out and dissect the formula here of how, how we react to this. Okay. Let's Recruit start with really good athletes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So let's start with off season. Um, you know, season's over, uh, off seasons where I guess it's, is the beginning of the real season again. What does your off season look like? You know, how do you plan for your off season? What are some things that go into that off season? I guess first off, Brian, what exactly is an off season? You know, it's <laughs> coaching is, a, is a all, all year round, but I, I know I'm kidding, but I know what you mean. But you know, yeah. off season, it's it's quite interesting. We again, you know, with the number of championships we've won, we've um, you know we we kind of go late into March as a as a sort of a tradition, right? I actually one of my recruiting lines I use when I talk to athletes looking to come to Humber is I say, you know, our season usually goes to well into March. And if it didn't, that means something went wrong. And, right. um, you know, that's kind of our philosophy. We always want to be in that national championship. Um, so, you know, once that sort of is all, um, all said and done, then, you know, I usually kind of um, sort of step away for, for a, you know, a few weeks, a, few, a month or so, um, give the girls the break. By that point, they're tired of hearing my voice. And, you know, they, they, they need a break, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and just give some, give some downtime. Um, we're fortunate to have a really good strength and conditioning program at Humber and, uh, led by, a, a really good, uh, high performance coordinator named Joe Latina. And, uh, so what he'll do is he actually takes over as soon as, as soon as our season's over and he really starts kicking the girls butts with, um, pretty, pretty, um, high level, um, off season program. So he'll start working that to, to, to offset the lack, you know, there's no volleyball going on at that time. So we'll do that. Um, you know, usually what happens is I'm starting to catch up on some recruiting emails, some different things going on during that time. Cause you know, we're not in the gym, you know, four or five nights a week and got a little bit of time to breathe and uh, start doing that stuff. And the girls are taking that, that break just to sort of re-energize and, and recharge. Uh, and then we'll start, you know, usually by about, you know, at some point in April, usually the latter part of April, usually after, after Easter or something like that, you know, we'll start getting back in the gym once a week um, you know, I've always made it, um, it's funny cause I've heard coaches before say it's kind of, they make it kind of a regimented thing with, with players that, you know, Hey, we're going to get together once a week and you know, you're going to be there. And I'll, I, I leave it open. I, I leave it open to the girls. You know, some girls, they need that break. They need, they need a couple months off. You know, I demand a lot of my athletes throughout the year. So sometimes their bodies are done and, uh, they just need that mental recharge, that physical recharge. So, <laughs> excuse me. I give them a break. The girls that come out, we start doing some 
individual training. You know, we'll do, we'll work on some, you know, some correction detection, just different things that maybe we didn't get a chance to work on in season when things were crazy. Uh, a lot of times there's people that have to switch positions. So we'll start working on, hey, this is where I think, you know, I kind of need you next year. And we'll start maybe looking at how we make that adjustment and stuff like that. And uh, and then just gradually, um, you know, start to ramp up again throughout the summer. Believe it or not, and, uh, you know, you know, for the for the players and the coaches and stuff that uh, will end up listening to this, um, you know, it's quite funny, as in, and a lot of them, you know, know me well, is that in the summer, I really try to do as many non-competitive things as I can. And I encourage my athletes to do the same thing. And what I mean by that is, you know, I say to the girls, hey, stay active, you know, physical fitness, all those things, do your workout programs, all those things. But if you're not touching the volleyball that much, that's okay. You know what I mean? I really believe like there's other passions, there's other sports, there's other things that, you know, athletes want to be about. Like, you know, I, I remember my wife and I, when we were young, we would always uh, play in a slow pitch, vol uh, slow pitch league, you know, in the summer. And I'd have some competitive friends that would be like, how do you go from coaching super competitive for nine months? And then you don't care that someone just made three errors in the outfield. And I'd be like, cause this is my, this is my off time. So I really, you know, we really encouraged, uh, just, you know, do what you love and, you know, whether it's horseback riding or playing softball or whatever, and then just keep volleyball in the background and just keep yourself physically fit and stuff. So we'll do that a lot. We have a couple of training camps throughout the summer months and uh, just try to keep people engaged and a lot of communication, a lot of, you know, emails, texts, that kind of stuff, just checking in on everybody. And just, you know, I, I, I don't, I really try not to overwhelm um, the athletes, especially nowadays. And, you know, it's not to sound like an old guy, but I really think that's one of the things a lot of these, a lot of young coaches are doing right now is, you know, they feel like they've got to, they've got to be involved in every aspect of an athlete's life and everything that's going on. And I think sometimes less is more and just, you know, being there for the key moments and doing things and just keeping them engaged so that they hear you when you're, when you want them to hear you and stuff like that. So we'll do a little bit of that stuff throughout the summer and just, you know, really want them chomping at the bit to come back in and, you know, for those training camps and stuff like that. Got it. Okay. So let's get specific here. So off season, we're starting a little bit, you said April after Easter, and then mm. you, go, you go one day a week until about the summer where then you start to ramp it up a little bit more. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And once the sum summer goes, then, you know, well, for the girls that are local, we'll start going one, you know, twice a week kind of thing. And then we'll do some, we'll do some training camps in latter part of June, July, and August. Okay, so then in terms of the one day a week, is, so there's no actual plan in place, or or is there? And then is there is it or is it just based on whoever is showing up that day? We'll work on that individual or those individuals to try to get them the reps they need and the training they need. Yeah, so you know, I get a sense of you know who's going to be there. Obviously, you know, there's some girls I know that won't be there because you know they're off. Like for example, I've got two girls, you know, great players with my team this year that I know are away all summer because they're tree planting up in like Manitoba or something like that. So, oh, nice. you know, you know, they're doing that thing. So, you know, we get a sense of who's around and got yeah. some out of province kids and stuff. And then those are there. I just start to plan out with my other coaches, um, you know, who can be there and, and we'll, and we'll work on those, uh, you know, those individual things with those guys. If we have enough, we'll do a little bit, but you know, the, I, I hate to say it, but the one thing, the only thing I say is, a as a sort of a, uh, what's the right word as a sort of a, a motivator to the girls is, you know, and I, and you've probably heard it before from other scenarios, but it's kind of like, well, if you're not there, somebody else is, 
And, you know, and our program is a highly, highly competitive program. We've got athletes that, you know, I truly believe could start on any other team in, in the league, if not in the country. So they're, mm-hmm. they're vying for spots. So if someone's working out all summer, you better be working out too, or you're going to have a tough time seeing minutes. So and that's a big motivator for itself there. So. Yeah. Is there any specific thing that you would like to see in the off season when your players do come in the gym? Is there any areas that you're like, okay, we, we need to work on this or you need to work on this. Any common themes throughout the off season? Um, there is, I think it's position specific or, yeah. you know, um, effort specific. So like, for example, if, if I know that, you know, I've had an athlete maybe that struggled, you know, blocking throughout the year. And that's, that's a tough thing to really, you know, to, to do some one-on-one coaching on throughout the season when you're trying to win games and you're trying to keep everybody active. So maybe, you know, that, that'll be a great opportunity where, you know, we'll work on, we'll work on that stuff. Like, like this summer, for example, I've got a girl that, um, you know, was a tremendous, was an all-star player this year and was a great great athlete and, you know, was great for us at nationals, but, you know, we don't feel like she's maximizing her jump because of her approach. Um, so we're going to work on that. We've talked about it and said, Hey, we're going to spend some time working on that. And really just, really just looking at it. I've got one girl that lands always on one leg, you know, and it's, you know, we hate to say it, but it's an injury waiting to happen. So, right. you know, we'll spend some time working on her approach. So we really just identify, it sounds kind of, uh, the coaches sounds kind of corny, but we'll really identify all the things that we just may have not got a chance to work on during the year as much. And really, when we don't have to worry about games or any of that stuff, really get a chance to to, to spend that one-on-one time with them, we, we try to take advantage of that. All right, that that's really cool. So it sounds like your off-season is designed that you sit back, you look at all your athletes that are going to be showing up, and you look at their weaknesses. And now we have the time without games to go and really attack those weaknesses and turn them into strengths, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like... I had, a, I had a, you know, the classic example of it is I had a girl that went on to play for the national team a few years back, Kelly Nyhoff, um, and uh, she was goofy-footed. And, you know, she went on to go play for the national team, and they said, look, coach, you know, at the time Lupo was coaching the national team, he said, look, she's she's uh, goofy-footed, man, you got to fix it. And I said, okay, well, we'll try. And, you know, in our league, she was able to get away and be a super dominant player, even though she was goofy-footed. So yeah. we spent the summer, and, you know, she, she worked really hard on it. And, uh, you know, and and tried to find a way to fix that thing. So just those type of things while still working on those individual skills and, you know, working on the, you know, the the passing reps. And, you know, I really I have a really big philosophy on, you know, quality versus quantity. Like, you know, I just I just think it's important. Like, let's get quality minutes and, you know, do things so if we're working, even if it's 15 minutes on something, but it's real quality and, and we can dive into making things better for that athlete, you know, that's, to me, that's worth more than four hours of just serving balls at somebody, you know what I mean? If they're not getting right. the quality out of it. So we'll do a lot of that stuff and yeah, we have some fun, play some music and, you know, it's also important for the coaches too. They, they get a little bit of time off. So we'll rotate who's coming in and stuff like that. You know, I got a young right. family and um, right. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that stuff as well. Right. So. Got it. You said something interesting, uh, training camp through the summers, but you said a couple of them. So first of all, how many training camps do you have? And then how, how does that work with multiple training camps? So, so we'll definitely do one in July and we'll do one in August. Um, what, uh, what I try to do is, and and we, in previous years, sometimes we've even had them in, in June, depending on, you know, what type of team I have coming in. If I have a pretty veteran team, 
Uh, maybe I'll just do, you know, sort of a July and August one. If I have a fairly young team with a lot of turnover, uh, I think it's important to get them in the gym. And sometimes some of the players that come in the first one aren't able to come in the second one, right? Like, you know, I have some out of province athletes that I don't ask them to come to both of them because there's a cost to that, right? For them to, right. to have to come in from BC or Alberta or whatever. Right. So, you know, we'll pick and choose. And what we really try to do in that July camp is, you know, sometimes I bring in some kids that are, also recruits or year away or something. And they get a sense to see what our practices are like, see what, you know, the other athletes are and get, just get to be a part of it. And it's a, our July camp is really a, Hey, let's get back after it now. Let's get at it and start, you know, getting, getting together as a group and try to get as many people in doing stuff, right? A lot of individual skill, but we'll, we'll, um, you know, put a lot of structure behind it and we'll go, you know, we'll do a three a day. And then the next day we'll, We'll, uh, you know, do a practice in the morning and then we'll do a blue gold game in the afternoon to kind of wrap it up. And then in August, um, we actually include other aspects of Humber as well in our August camp. So, you know, we'll bring in our HPC to do some physical testing to kind of get them ready for season. We'll bring in, you know, we have, we're fortunate to have some nutrition seminar information and stuff with our therapy program and they'll come in and do a little bit of information. We have our academic coordinator, they'll come in and talk about what you know, certainly for the new athletes, what to expect coming into September. Hey, you know, September's around the corner. Have you bought your books? Have you got your timetable? You, you know what to expect? Because literally that first day of school, most years, first day of school, we're bam, we're in practice, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we kind of really use August to kind of get everybody's mindset, um, starting to get ready out of the summer modes and start getting themselves ready to, hey, okay, we've got, um, you know, we've got season starting kind of thing. Okay. Let's yeah, I want to dive into this training camp because I'm a I'm a big fan. <laughs> let's talk okay. structure. So let's go to the July the July one. You mentioned mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned three a day. So so walk me through from the moment you start training camp to the moment you finish. What does that look like? So so basically, what we'll do is we'll we'll get together early in the morning, have a little little breakfast snack kind like of thing. Saturday morning. We're talking here Saturday. Yeah, so Saturday morning. So we'll bring in you know we'll you know sometimes we'll start Friday night with a light sort of serving pass from six to eight kind of thing you know we'll get in we'll just do some just do some casual stuff kind of get ourselves back into things then you know saturday morning you know we'll get together um you know we'll kind of go through just from a from a chalk talk and just go through a little bit of things get ourselves ready for the start and then we'll practice from about usually you know for the three days i try to keep it to an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes you know and we'll do We'll alternate. We'll do usually in the morning, we'll do a bunch of groundwork. Uh, maybe we're doing some defensive movement stuff, maybe some passing, you know, that kind of stuff, really keeping them, you know, from not jumping too much. Have some fun. We'll do a little bit of fun games and stuff like that, um, you know. And then uh, and then we'll break for lunch and we'll stop, you know, for argument's sake, if we went, you know, 9 to 10.45, we'll give them a little bit of a break to regen and we'll do um, – We'll do, uh, you know, some lunch till about 1, 1.30, um, give them a nice break, and then uh, we'll get back at it on the court. We're fortunate again. We have our high-performance coordinator come in, do a nice good warm-up, do a whole bunch of stuff with them, kind of, and then we'll go maybe a little bit harder from, you know, from 1.30 to 3-ish or so like that. Uh, maybe it's a little bit more, you know, competitive, competitive team-type stuff, right, whether it's, you know, Queens court or just, you know, wash drills or just individual stuff, maybe some blocking, some jumping, different stuff like that. Um, and then uh, we'll take another break for about an hour from say three to four. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go after it again from, from, you know, four to five, another hour and a half of, 
of again more you know we'll add another component to it right so maybe we'll do some play continue stuff or we'll still do some you know some high level scrimmage that kind of stuff so we'll do that and then by the end of the day and really you know as a coach you got to be adaptable and you got to see how you got to read the room so if the, the athletes seem to be handling things well you know I'll turn it up a bit if the athletes um you know seem to be you know sucking wind or struggling uh, struggling a little bit maybe we'll turn it down a bit you know, there's really, uh, I, I, I've said to, you know, for 20 some odd years, I've said to athletes, I've never cut a kid because of training camp. Um, training camp is something that is there for their development. Um, it's there for, you know, some people, some people progress sooner in training camp. Some people are late bloomers. It's really there just as an opportunity to get some touches and get back into it. So then we'll do that. And then, uh, you know, we'll let them go for the day. We usually wrap up around dinner time. They go off and do their thing or whatever. And then we, we get right back at it again Sunday morning. Um, that that first practice in the morning on the Sunday, that third day, that's a struggle one for sure. So we'll do um, we'll do some real, real low-level energy type things. But sometimes we'll go the first half an hour, 45 minutes. We won't even touch a volleyball. We'll do, you know, just different things, different uh, – you know, motion drills or just different, different scenarios and, and just have some fun with it. And, you know, sometimes we'll play floor hockey. We'll, we'll do things just to kind of, kind of get them going. Right. You know, and girls always joke around because we play a little bit of dodgeball and, you know, we'll get the coaches active in there as well. And then we'll, we'll do probably the last 45 minutes of, of uh, maybe a little bit of servant pass or like a little butterfly drill or something like that. I have a, I have a drill and all the girls that, for all the athletes that listen to this podcast after that have been coached by, by me, I have a drill I call eight man um, that they, they, um, uh, you know, they love, but hate because it's a pretty intense scrimmage drill. So we'll do a little bit of that and finish strong. And then we'll, we'll break for lunch. And then what they really look forward to is uh, we usually end up every training camp with a blue gold game, which is a highly competitive game, probably, you know, uh, at the risk of sounding you know, funny is that I, I want to say it's sometimes it's probably one of the most competitive games we play throughout the year because it's uh, it's a pretty it's pretty pretty competitive. The girls really go after each other, so we'll split them up into two teams and do a little bit of a draft. My assistant coaches uh, will do a draft, and you know, um, Mandy will take one group, and Taylor Alley will take the other group, and uh, and uh, I you know sometimes I ref or we'll bring in a ref uniforms the whole bit chairs out. A whole bit and we get after it and uh you know there's been some battles and some arguments and all that stuff and then it just creates bragging rights until until the next training camp and you know we uh we'll do that we do it between provincials and nationals a lot of times too you know we had a we had a great blue and gold game um you know prior to us going out to nationals this year and you know it was uh it's kind of i always joke around not not that it's anywhere near the same same uh, you know level but you know, I always joke around when you see those those videos about um, you know the U.S. Olympic team with Larry Bird and Matt and you know, Magic and Jordan and the best game that was ever played that never got seen. You know, and they you know it's the same kind of thing. We have we have some of these blue gold games, man, that I watch and I look and I'm like, holy geez, how how do we not win? You know, what I mean, it's uh, it's fun. So we'll do that and we'll call her a day and uh, you know then we'll we'll kind of go off on our way. That just gives them the taste of. Hey, I want to get back after it, right? So we're pretty lucky. Hey, no, that was great. This this was a, a really good uh 
breakdown of training camp. So thank you for that. I, I loved it. Uh, uh, I love, so, you know, it's funny. We do the, you, you call it the blue goal game. Yeah. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with us at the end of our training camp. Uh, my assistant coaches do a draft. We do a private draft. So not in front of the players. <laughs> and then, um, and then they, they coach. So they'll have like two on two, two coaches versus two coaches. I sit back and I relax and I watch. Yeah. It's a lot I actually, of fun. Yeah. I actually take care of the music during timeouts. I'll do, I'll do that and then watch. Oh, there you then, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we do get an official come in to, to rough it too. And it's actually, it's like you said, it is so competitive. It is like, cause you're playing for your, your position, essentially. Like I'm the, this is my spot. I'm going to show yeah, that I'm, sure. I'm here to play that spot. So it's, you know what? Uh, I might steal, I might steal something from you. I might do that music thing. I, girls always make fun of me on my music selection. So I think I can have a blast with that. I might. Uh, oh I might yeah. Steal that from during, them, right? uh, yeah, man. Uh, during timeouts, during after when the sets change over, I have, I have control of the music. I just play whatever I want while they're deliberating <laughs> and doing their thing. Um, I do want to ask go. you an interesting one. What's uh, what's eight man. So it's, um, and it's funny, you know, we, it's a drill that I don't even know where it came from, to be honest with you, just something in my younger years, I kind of put together. And I think, you know, it was original drill where you kind of, you remove players from certain positions and people are cycling in and out and stuff. And the girls always laugh at me because never ever is there only eight people on the court. There's, there's always 10, 12 people. And you're just kind of rotating every time the ball's going through almost like a wash drill. And then sometimes I'll, I'll pull a middle out so there's no middle for a little while. And, or sometimes I pull a right side out and, you know, and the really the only static people on the court is a setter and the lib and everybody's playing every position and cycling through. And it's, it's organized chaos to be quite honest. And, you know, to this day, I've had so many athletes ask me like, coach, why, why do you call it eight man? And for the life of me, I don't remember why I called it eight man. Some, some time ago, I, I did it with maybe eight people or something, and that's it. Just kind of stuck. So we've always had a laugh and a joke about it. Oh, okay, no, nice. All right, this is great, man. I love this. Yeah. So, I mean, this is your July training camp. Is there anything that's different about the August training camp? Are you doing the same thing? Or are you switching it up a bit? Like, how does that work? No, I, you know what, August. So, so maybe I, I should actually um, jump back a little bit. In July, too, what I try to do is that also is geared towards a lot more of. Um, maybe recruits that are a year away. Uh, maybe there's some kids that um, aren't sure, you know, if they want to be at Humber or not, not sure what the level of the team is like, that kind of stuff. So we'll use that too to help them sort of give them some some perspective. As we get into August and that August camp, usually by that point, we're pretty, we're pretty solid on our group. And, you know, uh, usually at that point, I'll bring in any of the out-of-province auto, auto athletes, They'll start coming in for that, you know, and, and, and it's it, the attendance there is, it's never a mandatory thing, but it tends to be, you know, a higher, higher attendance level. And, and uh, again, just the, the competitive level just starts to rise and it's not necessarily by the coaches, you know, it's really, um, it's really the athletes start doing, we'll start tracking things a little bit more, a little more analytics. We'll start charting, you know, uh, on some of our drills on hitting percentages or, you know, um, uh, passing and you know serving percentages and you know aggressive serving all those kind of you know trackable things we'll start doing a lot of that stuff in the august august camp to start giving us baselines to um understand what we're what we're going into in september right on where you know i've i've been in the august training camp and i've said to my coaches man i think we're gonna have the toughest serving team in the league you know because i've been able to identify early or you know like this year i knew we were gonna have a great passing team and, you know, you, you start to figure those things out and you start building, okay, this is what we got. All right. This is where, 
You know, I know we're going to be strong offensively, but, you know, we're going to be able to run a faster offense because our passing is so good and stuff like that. So you start to figure out what your team's really going to start looking like for September um, because at Humber, we're fortunate, man. We get off uh, right, right, out, right off the bat. Right? First week in September, we have a little team building thing, and, and then we're into competitions right after that. We'll go and start doing stuff. So, um, you know, I, I believe the best way to learn is to play. So, you know, we, we do a lot of that stuff, and, and uh, you know, that August camp allows me to see some of the individual stuff to get ourselves ready for that. Okay, got it. All right, well, I can't believe I spent this much time talking about training camp, but it was great. This, <laughs> all, this honestly, this is I think this is the foundation of a program is to start here and really dive in and isolate and do the one-on-ones and get the individual touches as well as structure a, a proper training camp. Okay. You know, the, the sorry, the last thing I, I'll leave you with, because as a coach, you probably appreciate this as well, is that the other thing, the biggest thing I can honestly tell you, Brian, about training camp, you know, the biggest thing it tells me, it tells me if my team's going to get along or not. And, you know, when you spend two or three days together, especially in female sports, women are so competitive. Women love to, you know, they, they'll work, they'll, they'll do all that stuff. But a women's team, man, they, they need trust. They need to know, you know, in female sports, they need to know that you're there for them and they need to be able to get along with each other. And, you know, they, they're, you know, so being able to see that and understand that, yeah, you know what, this group likes each other kind of, if not, it gives me some, some real good indication. Okay. Dude, I gotta, I gotta figure out what's going on here, and uh, you know, gives me a head start on making sure that I build some good relationships. So that's actually a really no, no, no. That's a great transition mm-hmm. to my my next thing was gonna be about culture because winning, you know, twelve championships, the, the culture has got to be strong. It's got to be. What What do you? Ha! Let's. How do I straight? I wanna. I wanna structure this right. What, what is your culture? How do you identify your culture? How do you instill this culture for your team? What is your, what are your expectations? You know, what, what is your team's identity? I know there's a lot in there, but I I want you to really dive into like how that culture works and how you instill it on them and things like that. That's, that's, you know, you're right. There's a lot in that question. And, you know, I could, I could go on probably for hours on, on that kind of stuff. But I think the, the biggest culture thing that I, you know, I really preach to our athletes is that, and to the coaches, you know, is that you got to want to be there. So, you know, we're so competitive. You know, we do, I ask a lot of my athletes, um, but respect is huge. And I respect them. You know, I've been doing this a long time. And it's funny, like you, you come to my practice, it's quite often in a practice, I'll say to the girls, I'll say, hey, okay, this is what we're doing today, da 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 whatever. And then I'll say, are we good with that? What do you guys think? Right. And I'll get a lot of feedback, not just from the captains. I'll get I'll get feedback from my rookies. You know what I mean? And, and there just needs to be a respect back and forth that we're in this together. And because they're with Humber and any high level program and, you know, and you've probably seen it in, in the teams that you've coached. You have to have buy in from your best player to your 16th player. And, you know, they need to understand that you care about them. You know, whether they're scoring you 20 points a game or whether they're just working hard for you in practice and not seeing the court. Um, and that's important. You know, so it's real important to to build that that respect amongst all of them, that their opinions and their, you know, their thoughts matter. So we'll spend we'll spend a lot of time on that. You know, I mean, I um, I'm a big believer in I don't coach every athlete the same. Uh, I've heard a number of coaches in real high profile coaches and, you know, real smart, smart people. And, you know, they say, look, you got to, 
you got to set the bar and you got to say these, all these, you know, every athlete is this and that. And I just, I don't believe in that. There's standards and there's rules and all those things that I hold everybody accountable to. Um, but every athlete's different. And as a coach and as my assistant coaches, you got to find out what makes, you know, what makes Brian tick, what makes Chris tick, what, what makes Wayne tick or Caroline or whoever it is. You got to, you got to find that and you got to coach the heck out of that. And, you know, and as part of the culture, if the athlete knows that you're trying to make them better, they're going to make the team better. And I, I say to the girls, you know, they, I always get it. I've been doing this a long time and I get people that will ask me, Hey coach, when's enough enough? You know, when are you done? Kind of thing. And I'll say to them, the minute I walk in the gym and I'm not enjoying being in the gym or I don't want to be there, that's when I'm done. And I say to the girls all the time, you know, the minute you don't want to be at practice, you're done. Not from a negative way. It's just, it's not for you. And so that culture is that we, I know when I walk into the gym, anybody that's in there with me, they want to be there. They want to be there and they enjoy what they're doing. We all have bad days and we all have those, you know, tough moments or whatever, but man, we really take a, a concentrated effort on when we walk in, when we walk through the doors, whatever, you know, whatever's going on outside those doors in life, it's, it's out there. You're, you're in a, you're in a gym with, you know, 16, 20 other people that are doing absolutely what they love. Um, you know, and, and that's the culture that we really build that we just refuse to not work hard. And I just ask, you know, there's a number of times. And again, I go back to, you know, when people listen to this, that have been a part of our program, you know, they'll chuckle because there's so many times throughout, throughout a practice where I'll stop practice and I'll say, is this good enough? Is it good enough? Is it good enough? Are what you're doing right now good enough to win a national championship? And if it's not, then do something that's good enough to win a national championship. And, you know, demand that of yourself. And we're not going to, you know, I really strive to be perfect. I try to make them perfect and stuff. And we're never going to, you know, accomplish perfection. But we're going to have a lot of fun trying to get there. And that's really the culture that we build that you know I, there's so much sacrifice you know not just from you know I've had athletes that come to me that that were real good players and I just felt like you know what um it's not the right fit for us um because they they needed too much they weren't able as a top athlete to be able to sacrifice because you know as a top athlete when you're used to getting 20 points a game or any of those kind of things you know to be able to sacrifice some of the minutes to let somebody else develop you know, it's not always just sacrifice on the bottom end players. There's top ends. There's players that, you know, have to sacrifice minutes. You look at my roster this year and the amount of games played. I think we led the league in the most amount of games played by athletes because I did so much substitutions. I did so many people started different things. And, you know, it, it's you have to have that sacrifice and you have to have that willing to watch your teammates succeed. And, you know, I say to my athletes all the time, like, no one ever loves being on the bench. If you ever have an athlete come up to you and say, hey, coach, I'm just happy to be on the bench. That's not an athlete you want, right? I'm sure you've said that to your athletes before. And, you know, but what an athlete that's sitting on the bench looks out and knows that those players are working hard, they can accept it. They can understand what's going on. And that's what, you know, sort of that culture of working hard for the people on the sidelines really allows us um to get past the sacrifice that, that has to happen so that's kind of what we strive for and the last thing i'll say is we have a lot of fun man we have a lot of fun i joke around a lot girls joke around with me a lot 
Um, and we get after it and I ask, I demand a lot, but, um, you know, we, we, we have some fun. We have some fun. There's times during the season when things, you know, you've, you've been coaching our league for a while and we get into some dog days in the winter where it's, you know, pretty tedious. I'll just stop practice and say, you know what, guys, we're out, we're going, we're going bowling. You know what I mean? Or we're going to go do something different or we're going to go watch a movie or go for sushi or something. But, you know, sometimes you got to do that. And then the other times is, you know, uh, I've been known to to run a team after a game, even though we've won, um, you know, because I just didn't feel like they respected the game enough to give a good level of effort. So, you know, I just, I just demand a, a, a dedication to, to excellence all the time. So. Yeah, no, no, man. Thanks for that. That's, that's, that's great stuff. Like the sacrifice, the respect, the wanting to be there. And I like that, you know, the minute you don't want to be in practice, that's, that might not be a place for you. Uh, yeah. it's, it's so true. You have any, you know, you have a, do you have any cultural norms that may be different than, than normal teams? I'll give you a couple of examples. So like for our team, you know, when a player walks in the gym before they even touch a volleyball, they have to high five or dap all their teammates and coaching staff before they leave the gym. They got a high five and dap all their coaching staff and teammates, like little things like that. Do you have any cultural norms or traditions or, you know, things that bring the players together in your gym? Um, no, that's actually a really cool idea. We don't, they tend to do that. Uh, again, um, you know, we always seem to have close teams, so they, they tend to do that, but I really like that. I think one of the things that, and I've had coaches ask me about it, and maybe it's a volleyball thing, but I've had certainly basketball coaches will ask me about it. You know, as I really demand, and it sounds kind of corny, that we all wear practice uniforms, that they all have, you know, like to a point where I will, if someone comes to practice without their practice jersey or shirt, I will send them out of practice. So they'll scramble. They have a whole, the girls are captains. Everybody has a whole thing, a chat group in the back to make sure everybody knows what shirt they're wearing on what day and stuff like that. Because I just feel, you know, just like you're saying about the high five and those things, like you just need to feel that culture of camaraderie and every, you know, everybody's the same and, you know, we'll do, you know, we'll do, you know, that kind of stuff. We have some, we have some traditions, I guess it's probably, you know, fair to say where we'll, you know, we'll have some crazy practice dress days where, you know, you kind of can wear some funny stuff and, you know, I don't had a girl that was from Serbia that used to come in with the Serbian national team, you know, weird logos and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll do, we'll do that stuff. Those are the things that probably come to mind. I'm a, I'm a big superstition guy, which is a little different, like borderline psychotic when it comes to the girls just absolutely think I'm nuts. Um, but, um, you know, from, from the culture thing or from a habit thing, I would say that's probably the biggest thing is really making sure that we're all, you know, I'm a big on time, you know, they're, you know, girls understand that six o'clock is you come in at six or one. It doesn't, it doesn't usually go well for you. So it's uh, you know, we do that kind of stuff. And, and it's not because it's not because of a um, you know, I'm a, I'm a tyrant when it comes to time and those things, but it goes back to my earlier statement of respect and, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're the best player or you're, you know, a red shirt or whatever it is. Everybody sort of does have to have that same standard of respect. And if I come in five minutes late um, and, you know, and, and I haven't planned ahead of time or whatever it is, um, you know, it just, it just sends the wrong message to my teammates that I don't care about them. 
um, or I, I don't have as much respect for them as they may have for me. And then all of a sudden, five minutes turns into 10 minutes and 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And before you know, you have people wandering all over the place. And I demand the same of coaches. You know what I mean? I've, I've, uh, I've, I hold everybody to the same standard, my team manager, anybody, anybody associated with our program. So, you know, we do those type of things really to, to, to hold everybody sort of accountable and it works. You know what I mean? It works. Yeah. I, I've had girls, I, not to, to go too long here, but I've had girls that, you know, that played for me 10 years ago and we're going to, you know, someone's wedding, you know, later on, they've been gone from our program for 10 years and, you know, I'm picking them up at the subway to drive them to the wedding and they're, they're freaking out because they might be late. Right. And these are, these are women with children now, like, and you know what I mean? Yeah. But it just gets ingrained in them as part of our culture. Right. So, right. No. Uh, and by the answers. way, you know, your, uh, your practice uniforms, you're preaching to the choir on the exact same way. Hey, yeah. I, it's a, it's a thing where you practice like a team. You, you look like a team. You feel like a team. You act like a team. It is even when we go on road trips, like they have yeah. a group chat, just like you do. You, what do you guys wear on the road trips? I don't want to see anyone that doesn't, that looks different. Like when you yeah. come off that bus, you look like a team and, and our rookies had a hard time with that. Cause some rookies, unfortunately did not, you know, they might have forgot his shirt and they get, they get consequences and it's unfortunate, but yeah. it is what it is. So they learn, they learn quick. <laughs> yeah. They learn quick. All right. Let's, um, we got, we got about 10 more minutes here. So let's transition a little bit more technical, tactical, uh, you know, what, what is it about your team, your program, you know, whether it's a technical thing or a tactical thing that separates you from other programs, do you think? Um, well, I, I'm fortunate enough to bring in some pretty um, high-level athletes already. Um, but I think, you know, we what I try to do from a technical um, aspect is I identify really early what we're good at. Um, so if I, if I say I've had teams where, you know, we've had exceptional mid middles and we've, you know, we've had ball control left sides. But we'll say, hey, you know what? If we're going to beat teams, we're going to beat them through the middle. We got to be the best passing team um, we can be, and we'll figure out how to do that, you know. And so we'll, I look at, you know, a lot of teams look at, or coaches look at weaknesses and say, oh, hey, I got to improve my weaknesses. And that's true. And you got to do that. But I make sure my strengths are real good. And so we'll spend a lot of time if, you know, if I have a high offense team, well, I'll make sure that my offense is the best. Um, that it can be, um, and and we'll work with that. So from a technical aspect, I really develop and I really look at what are my strengths, and I'll ride those all the way through. And then along the way, I'm I'm also picking up trying to trying to you know raise the bar on my weaknesses as well, but identify what I got early and um, and really ride that. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And then in terms of tactical, is there a specific system that you like to run? Is there a type of, you know, defense, offensive systems that you found to be successful in your program? Um, I would say from a, from a tactical, I think, you know, and as you know, probably certainly with college athletes as well, because there's a lot of turnover. Um, I think you got to look at your team and you got to see where you're at every year. But I think, um, you know, we're, I really look at a, a real ball control type team. I really try to be, you know, um, you know, those fundamentals, those key things like, you know, our, our serving and our, sorry, our serve receive and our defense, you know, making sure those are real strong first contacts um, so that we, you know, we can outwork teams. I, I look at, you know, certainly in the CCAA and the OCAA, you know, I, in women's volleyball, you know, I look at, you know, the team that tends to make the least amount of mistakes while being aggressive um, tends to be, 
tends to be a team that's successful. There's a lot of teams out there that try to not make mistakes, but they they lose the aggressive side of things. So we we try to make sure that we're our ball control is real good, but then we're real aggressive. And I, you know, I preach all year, certainly early on in the year, make all the mistakes you want. Make, you know, make that hitting mistake, make that, you know, defensive mistake. Um, but you know, make sure it's an effort mistake and make sure we're learning and, and developing. So tactical, you know, we really try to be faster than anybody else. You know, we uh we we try to run as fast an offense as we can. And we really, you know, I found, you know, for if I want to be real specific, we we change up our blocking schemes quite a bit, but for the most part, we block ball. Um, because in women's volleyball, uh, or in volleyball in general, certainly at the at the collegiate level, you know, there's a lot of variances in where the ball's going. Um, so we'll block ball and we'll, we'll get real good at making sure we're, you know, we're, we're understanding the shadow of the block and where to be and, you know, making sure that we're, we're taking away, you know, areas of that court. So we just try to be the best control team that's there. So what do you mean by block ball? So, you know, again, um, when I look at, when I look at blocking ball, the, no matter where, no matter where the set is, no matter what, you know, what area of the, of the net that ball is on, you know, we'll still, we'll still still take away a line shot, that kind of stuff. You know, I refer to it as calling ball. Some people probably, you know, so we really take away the angles no matter where that set has been. um, So that we're, we're then able to set up. I expect whether you're a middle that never plays defense, that your first contact when you come off that serve to play defense in five or six or wherever you are, you know, you got to be ready to dig that ball. So, you know, just getting, just getting understanding that there's only certain, certain areas they can hit because we take away the ball. So Got it. And then how do you train your ball control? Repetition, quality, um, having good players. Um, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> we'll, um, you know, quite often, you know, we'll spend and we'll make them competitive. We'll make competitive you know, individual drills, right? Like we'll do single skill drills where, you know, athletes are, are just, you know, passing rep after rep after rep for argument's sake, or, you know, defensively, you know, we're doing a lot of movement drills where we're hitting off boxes and they're, they're having to move around and, and really get themselves uncomfortable and still maintain composure. Um, a lot of times, you know, athletes and, and volleyball players can be good when they're comfortable. So, you know, one of the things that we really try to do is make ourselves, we, we practice in uncomfortable situations. I set up drills. I set up scrimmages that purposely create chaos so that we learn how to play uncomfortable. And then we're able to, to make the other team uncomfortable. And then they're not used to playing at that level. Right. So we try to make other teams uncomfortable. You'll quite often, if you ever go back and look at videos, you'll see me sort of, um, sort of making a gesture with my hand, like speed it up, speed it up. And it's a constant just cycle of, you know, just make them uncomfortable, make them, make them be faster and, and uh, you know, be able to do that. So our ball control at that point, we just continue to train, um, you know, just certainly with our libero, certainly with our, you know, our defensive players, just really having them have to, to, to make something out of nothing out of chaos drills. You know, they may have to scramble to make a pass that, you know, not just nuts in their passing zone, those type of things, and really get good at that stuff, you know, tracking down balls, that stuff. Yeah. Is there anything um, technical that you would want to make sure that the, the, your players are aware of? I know at, at the college level, most people know how to, you know, create a platform and things like that. But as a coach for you, 
Is there certain technical elements of ball control that you want to see in every athlete? Um, I preach from a, I don't know if you want to call it technical or not, yeah. but um, I teach and I'm trying to think of the right words because it, to make it make sense, but I really preach to them to not, um, not react, but to anticipate and not guess. Like I get frustrated with my players when, you know, they, they make a movement or they do something and you can tell that they just guessed. I'm okay. If they, you know, they decide, Hey, this happened here, here, and here. And I did this because that means you're learning and you're thinking as an athlete. So if, if that makes sense, I don't know if that answers your question, but I really, I really try to teach them to think for themselves. And they, the girls laugh at me a lot of times when I say to them, you know, it, it's funny because I've had athletes that are really analytical or, you know, and they'll say to me, coach, you told me to stand here last time. And then this happened. And then you told me to stand there. And I always say to them, I said, you find me a volleyball coach that can give you a book or write a book that tells you every scenario of everything that happens. Right. That guy or girl is going to make zillions of dollars. And it just doesn't exist. Volleyball is just such a, there's so many variables in volleyball. But what I try to do is get them to think for themselves. And at the end of the day, my biggest preach to them from a technical is do what your gut tells you to do. You know, most times as an athlete and you've been playing since, you know, the age of 11, if your gut tells you to go this way, most times it's probably right. And if it's not right, you're going to figure out why not. Right? right. Rather than guessing and trying to think too much and anything, just play the game and trust your gut is what I really try to, to preach to these guys. Right. No, no, I love that. And if, if anyone was to ever write that book, they'd be a scam artist. So yeah, you're on. Oh the- yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's do a, let's do a quick little recap here. Cause we talked about a lot of great things that I, I think we can easily identify that has uh, a lot of validity to winning, you know, 12 championships and things like that. But anyways, so you started off by talking about uh, mentality and your uh, you think your tagline is be better. So, sur- and you want to surround yourself with an environment that invites that. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Always trying to get better. Your off season um, is pretty much, position specific when you have players come in the gym you're just trying to identify things you need to work on and really work with them to, to better them and like you said you don't coach the same player in every way and every player has different weaknesses so you really try to address that as well as you know you understand that it's quality versus quantity so that's good i love the way you broke down your training camp so friday night you would do a serve pass um you kind of talked about it not being too heavy just some more ball control stuff like that saturday morning i think you said chalk talk you got about an hour to an hour and 45 minute sessions or an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minute sessions. Um, a lot of groundwork. So movement on the ground, defense, passing, nothing too crazy. Um, then you break for lunch. Uh, and then you mentioned HPC comes in and does a session. Then you got your one thirty to three session, which is more competitive team stuff. That's when you start doing jumping, blocking, you know, more attacking type things like that. Uh, and then you have another break from three to four and then four to six thirty. Then we start doing some more continuous stuff, high level scrimmaging, things like that. Sunday morning uh, is a tough morning because they did that three day. So you got your low, <laughs> it's a, a low level of energy, 30 to 45 minutes without touching a ball. This is this what I really liked, you know, floor hockey, dodgeball. You could do like your eight man drill. And then I love how you finish it off with the, the blue goal game. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. I've mentioned on the podcast before where, you know, you get two teams, coaching staff, you have coaching staff. Let them scrimmage, let them draft, have some fun, sit back, watch your team. Uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. 
Then we got yeah, it's um, a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I mean, August is more like you start tracking more, you know, surf percentage, passing. You're trying to get baseline for the athletes, uh, which is really good too. Like, you know, we do the same thing where we, we want to get baseline so we can monitor and track it throughout the course of a season. And um, and it tells you, this is actually a really interesting one that you said, it tells you if your team is going to get along or not. And I like that because you can absolutely get it. You can see it right, right, right within three days of, you know, how your team reacts around each other and maybe issues that you might have to, Fixed prior to September. So no, I love that. Uh, we transitioned to culture. Um, and you know what? This is, is simple, but yet effective. You know, you got to want to be there. And you know what? As much as that sounds obvious, it's so true because you, you'll see in certain aspects, certain gyms, there are players that, that want to be there in the beginning, but then as the season goes along, it's like, ah, I might not want to be here anymore. Or, or maybe they don't want to be there through, throughout the entire season. Those are players you, you, don't, you don't want there at all. Um, respect. Yeah, I like that. And you know what I like? I like the fact that you talk about you get feedback from your player. So even after coming up with a practice plan, you may ask them, hey, what do you guys think? You know, like, do you, is there anything you guys think that you should add to that and things like that? That's really, I, I like that. Um, that's a reciprocated teaching. No, I really, I really like that. Collaborative. There you go. That's a nice collaborative approach. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got to have buy-in from everyone. Um, I like that. And I think this is really important. And it was, it was a subtle point, but care you got to show the athletes you care because that in itself is culture if the coach demonstrates that they care about their athletes that can go a long way and i, I absolutely agree with that uh and you mentioned you don't coach every athlete the same uh the minute you don't want to be a practice that's a problem absolutely you talked about the sacrifice yeah yeah no kidding especially on your team a, a team with such high level athletes there is going to have to be sacrifice from the top players if they need to not play in certain certain sets and things like that so yeah 100 percent uh, fun. Don't want to forget about fun. Uh, <laughs> the practice the practice uniforms. I'm so with you. I even did that at club when we used to order from Marchant's. I used to get the basketball reversible jerseys. Um, oh, nice. And I would. I, I even up to now at Seneca, we have reversible jerseys, and that way, even in even when we scrimmage in practice, I'd be like, okay, black team versus white team, and they they would have to like change their jersey color right there, so it even oh, looks nice. like it's uh it's more professional. I always tell I always tell the players, you know, if if Glenn Hogue was to walk in our gym or John Sprawl was to walk in our gym, they should be like, that's a team. You know, if anyone right. is to walk your gym, like that's a team. There should be no question. Yep. So yeah, uh, I like the, I do like the crazy practice dress days. Uh, that's really funny. And on time, a hundred percent. That's not negotiable. Like there's no excuse for not being on time. I like we did the, a fun the one this year, actually, just while you're yeah. talking about crazy practice that, you know, it was actually the girls that thought of it is that we had a um, different water ball practice. Um, so everybody came in with a, with something that wasn't a water bottle for their water. So, you know, I had the girl come in with a, with a big pot and that's what she drank, drank out of, or, you really? know, uh, yeah, yeah just something different. It was, you know, there was some great pictures and some, some pretty fun stuff. And I didn't even know what was going on. I just walked into practice and I was like, what's going on? There's, you know, uh, you know, a girl's got this you know, whatever, uh, wine bottle or, you know, kind of thing or whatever. And it was, you know, yeah. just something different to, to spice it up a little bit. And I thought that was great. So oh, just no, stuff like, like that. that to have some fun. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah. thought it was neat. Uh, that's great. we talked about technical. So you talked about, um, and this, this is why I really like this actually too, identifying what you're really good at and capitalizing on that, like being the best at that. So not to say we're going to deviate from what we're good at already. No, no, we're going to, we're going to go hundred percent at it. And then obviously you're still going to address your weaknesses, but really if you are except, if you have exceptional middles, you're going to run your middles and be a great passing team so that we can have a middle offense. So yeah, I love that. Uh, tactical, look at your team. 
determine what, what type of, you know, what type of team you have and, and just go from there. Um, and I like what you said here, the team that tends to make the less amount of mistakes while still being aggressive normally leads to success because you're right. There's some teams that try to minimize mistakes, but they do that by taking their foot off the gas, which is not the recipe for success. Mm, so that's, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want to be faster than everyone else. Yeah. Very common at the higher level. And then basically that was pretty much the last thing you did mention was, you know, not react, but anticipate, you know, not guess. And I love that. It's about, it's about reading, trusting your gut, but, but no guessing, um, which mm. I think, yeah, reading is one of the hardest, in fact, arguably the hardest skill in our game. So 100%, uh, I definitely <laughs> agree there. Did I, uh, is there anything that I've missed that you would like to add? Um, no, man, I think you got the secret sauce. I said, the, that's it. It's, uh, you know, whatever I've been lucky to have success with, now you just let everybody know and we're <laughs> going to have a, we're going to have a whole bunch of champions out there for sure. No, it's, you know, it's, uh, uh, we're, like I said, that we're pretty, I'm, I'm so blessed, you know, to, to have, uh, people, people around me that are all buying in and the amount of time I've seen coaches put in and stuff like that. You know, this year, you know, not, not to go too deep into it, but this year I had a very, um, you know, I had a lot of family issues go on this year and I had to really rely on my, really had to rely on my assistant coaches and to watch, to watch the team um, go through that and work through that, man. It just, it just re reiterates, you know, what, what being a part of a team is and, and being a part of it's, you know, as, as people say, as a family, right. And, you know, right. you lean on each other a lot. It's a lot of fun. So. You know, from from an outside coach looking in, just listening to this this conversation, and I think, let tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, 155 wins, 12 provincial championships. The formula, or at least a part of the formula, is structure. You seem like you have a very solid structure and a structure that is proven to be successful. Uh, I think the buy-in part is really important. All the athletes buy in; they're they're there for the same purpose, and like you said surround yourself with an environment that invites that i think that and then you know yes we, we you, you see if the team gets along but and the sacrifice and that whole culture piece is really important um and then you you, you do be and because of that like you you didn't start off by winning 12 championships in a row but because of the culture that you established which is all the stuff we just talked about the the be better the the, the, the you know the, the environment of excellence once you created that environment, players started coming, cycling through, you started winning championships, and then it's a never-ending cycle. It just continues by staying on course to that. Is, is that does that sound about right? Yeah, you know, the only thing I would add to that is, you know, the the core philosophy is just be a good person. You know, surround yourself, bring in good people that want to be a part of a program. Like, you know, we talk a lot about our the number of championships we won, and we're we're coming off back-to-back -back championships again here, and. You know, right. all the games we won and stuff like that. But, you know, the other thing, I'll be honest with you, is that I'm probably more proud of than any of that is in all the years I've, I've coached, I think almost every athlete that's come through our program has graduated. And wow. now I'm – yeah, I think I, I can only think of, you know, one or two athletes that, that weren't able to graduate and they were for different circumstances. And they've actually come back years later, you know, even when they've had kids or whatever. And today I'm doing online school, school or whatever to finish off. Like, you know, right. just – just that that level of commitment and just knowing that you're you're churning out good people and especially now you know that I'm older I'm starting to get athletes that their mothers played for me and now they're they're yeah. playing for me you know and that you want to feel old that that that'll make you feel old pretty quick 
You know, my niece played for me for five years. You know, my daughter now is starting to look at college and universities and stuff like that to play. And and it's, you know, it just, just having that, that, you know, core philosophy of good people, I think really sums it up. Yeah. Hey, you still coach club, right? I do. I do. I coach. How is that even possible? You know what? Again, what are you doing? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, that's what I was saying tonight. You, you caught me on a, on an off night. Uh, yeah, I coach my, I coach my daughters. Uh, she plays 17 U for storm, uh, Aurora storm. Uh, and uh, I coach her team and I help her with my son's team. He's, he's playing up on a 15 U team and, um, you know, we're, you know, so it's, it's pretty busy, but, uh, my wow. kids love the sport, you know, um, you know, um, it's, it's, like I said, it's been a trying year, unfortunately, uh, you know, last summer I lost my wife very suddenly and, yeah, you know, it, uh, and uh, just, you know, trying to keep my kids busy in sports. So I, I coach, I coach club and the club's great. Humber's great. You know, I, like I said, I got some, I got some knowledgeable assistant coaches that are able to step in for me so that I'm able to do that. And right. uh, yeah, man, it's the, uh, I love, I, you know, when I'm done with my kids coaching, I'd love to go back and coach, you know, at the 10 U and 11 U, uh, you know, level and stuff like that. And uh you know, really just uh, give back, man. I just love seeing kids smile and, you know, having fun. And, you know, right. just the other night, just the other night, my daughter's team, we, uh, we practiced, we, we only had a few people at practice and, and the next gym over had some 12 U kids in it playing. So I joined the two teams together and just watching their eyes light up, you know, playing volleyball with these massive girls and stuff. So much fun, man. So much fun. You know, um, I might have a job for you when that time comes, cause I'm coaching my daughter's five U team right nice now. there's nice. there's no That's five nice. you but i got i got a bunch of them I, I you know what it's funny when she was three years old that's I told myself like that's when I'm gonna start working with her in volleyball getting like you know the love for the game and I always said that I, I'm gonna rent a gym out for one hour and even if it's just me and her that's okay it's yeah, I'm all absolutely. once a week one hour and then eventually it's you know people started asking about it and I said I'm only taking girls that are my daughter's age that's it this is for my daughter I'm not it's not a money making uh, thing this is just yeah yeah for my kid and if you want to come 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 on no no problem so yeah. we got a lot of we got a lot of kids that want to play volleyball at the age <laughs> of four and five right now. And I a part of me wants to I haven't decided like my wife thinks that I'm going to coach, but I kind of want to sit back and enjoy it and watch them. Yeah. yeah. And then at like well, 16, 17, 18, you then step in and then put my, you know, in, my imprint on it. But uh, so I got a job for you if, if you're interested in like. All right, man, I, I may take you up on that. I know I. I struggle with that too on whether I want to coach my and my brother, you know, as team, you know, as you know, he 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 coached his kids through and stuff like that. And yeah. it's a lot of fun. You know, we we set up some pretty good ground rules, my daughter and I. Like the minute the minute we get in the car to come home, you know, I'm dad, I'm not coach anymore. And you know, we talk about that stuff. And you know, yeah. it's it's a different, it's a different animal for sure. But man, the quality time, like what you're doing with your daughter five years old, you know, she's gonna remember that for the rest of her life. And okay. it's not, it's not coach. It's not coach yelling at her. It's, you know, it's her dad, your dad playing ball with her. So that's, that's really I, special. That's awesome. Yeah. We haven't talked yeah. about boundary yet. Cause she still calls me dad at practice. Mind you, the yeah. practice is like 35 minutes long. It's not a long time with these kids. They, their attention span is like 30 minutes. Actually, we got up to like oh, yeah. five minutes now. That's and, impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And, you know, it's like beach ball stuff, you know, like balloon stuff and working on, they actually, this is off topic, but they had their first rally last week, Saturday. Oh my God, Chris, you got to see this beach ball back and <laughs> forth. One kid bumped it off the net. And I kid you not, this other kid played it off the net at five years old. <laughs> wow. Played that's it impressive. off the net. Can you imagine? 
I, I wanted oh, to stop no. practicing just celebrate right there and then i was like that's crazy. yeah absolutely you've accomplished it all yeah, I, i'm not sure was... i'm not sure i can get some of my college athletes to do that <laughs> <laughs> it was, but you know what though these kids don't know better it's like oh off the net yeah. okay boom like you know they just they just go so you're after it, it was, yeah absolutely fun. anyways i got one That's last great. thing before, before we wrap this up um i always ask uh, everyone this question if you could have dinner with anybody in the world anyone you want dead or alive if you could have dinner with anyone you want who would it be and why like celebrity wise or just anybody you want anybody you want doesn't matter That's a tough one, man. You know, know, and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of good people. You know, at at the risk of you know not sounding too emotional, I'd I'd love to be able to have dinner with my wife again. Um, that would be great. I'd really I'd really enjoy that. Um, but certainly, you know, sounds kind of weird. I um, um, you know, that would be my first priority for sure. But yeah. you know, from a from a sport related type of thing, um, I'd love to pick the brain of Phil Jackson. Um, you know, the guy, I, I, I watched him and, uh, I just love to have a, you know, have a, a Ryan ginger with him and, and just, you know, smoke a cigar and just, you know, pick his brain on the, on the, on the, you know, the amount of elite athletes he's had to deal with because he's dealt with the Michael Jordans and the Dennis Rodmans and, you know, the Kobe Bryant's oh, and Bryant. just really, really understand that stuff. I've been fortunate to have some, some pretty, you know, good conversations with, you know, in the volleyball world with guys like, you know, Glenn Hogue and, and, you know, Russ from Penn state and yeah. different things. I've been lucky that way, but you know, it'd be nice to pick the brain of a different sport and stuff like that. But first priority would definitely be my wife. I miss her every day. And right. uh, that would be awesome to do that. But then from a sports side, um, Phil Jackson would be a lot of fun. Got it. Listen, man, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and doing this for, for everyone. I mean, we got thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of coaches that listen to this that I know will appreciate uh, all the all the advice you dropped. In fact, you guys are gonna have to come back and take some notes because I got a ton of notes myself here. So if in case you wondered, <laughs> I was I was typing as as you were talking. So oh, yeah, there you go. yeah, no man, this is great. Listen, Chris, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Um, and to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. We'll see you next week. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look. Are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.